Welcome to Saved by the Ball, the Motown Chronicles podcast. My name is German, and I'm here with Money, and uh, this is our podcast. We've been wanting to start this for a while now. We'll be talking about the Pistons, Lions, you know, drafts, offseason, in-season, and just general sports topics. So, Money, welcome. Thanks for doing this with me. How are you feeling, man? Hey, what's up? What's up? Um, excited. I'm excited. You know, I've been trying to start this for a while now. Both have talked about doing this before, but none of us really actually pursued it and a couple of days ago we hit each other up and we're just like let's just do it you know no better time it's just just because of our love for detroit sports uh pandemic right now uh doing it for fun we're just going to be giving our insight we're going to go over that we see from the pistons end or the lions end or it could be michigan games or u of m games or yeah uh, things in that nature we're going to give you guys our little insight and uh try to give you guys our little point of views for you guys to agree or disagree with. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're a Michigan guy. I'm a Michigan state guy. You know, we should have some good discussions there. Uh, and yeah, like you said, you know, we're not, we're not pros or anything. You know, we both just kind of picked up mics a couple of days ago. We didn't even know how to set them up properly. So, you know, we're, we're, we're working through this and uh, you know, this is just kind of for fun. And what's funny is, uh, you know, I know we talk a lot, but I haven't actually seen you in person in, in years. You know, we went to Michigan state together or uh, sorry, Wayne state together. And that was, probably, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago. And we, we, we hit a couple of Pistons games, you know, we, we hit, uh, you know, lines practices multiple times. So yeah, man, it should be a good time. Yeah, exactly. We've always kept in touch over sports. Uh, that's always been one, one thing we've always texted about, no matter what's happened or what's gone through, we've always kept in touch over the lines and, and Pistons. And it's, it's been, it's been fun. And hopefully this will be fun too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're a similar type of fun. You know, we we don't really look at it from an entertainment standpoint. You know, um, we kind of look at it from a uh, you know a business standpoint, and you know, uh, just just venture growth and you know team building things like that. So, um, you know, it's kind of different aspect you'll get from us. You know, we're by no means are we homers. You know, we we'll try to rip on moves and and we'll try to approve appraise moves. You know, as we like them. So uh, one other thing, like just to pick off of where you left off, we're definitely not biased fans at all. We definitely don't just agree on everything or don't agree with everything the Pistons do or the Lions do. We're not just one of those homers fans. Like every move they make is the best move. We're, we're definitely critical of them as well. So you guys will find that out shortly too. So we like some of the moves and we don't like some of the moves. Um, and, the, and you know, that comes with sports. Not, not every move is going to be liked by the fans and not every move is going to make sense, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to help it make sense. Yeah. I'm right there with you. So welcome to Saved by the Ball, Motown Chronicles, and we'll take it to segment one, where we'll talk about the Pistons offseason and uh, what we thought of it. All right, welcome to segment one uh, of our first episode of Saved by the Ball, the Motown Chronicles. This is where we'll speak about Troy Weaver, <laughs> the new Pistons general manager, and uh, give our thoughts on what we thought about the signing and what we think he can provide to the team. So just to give a little background, you know, most people may know Troy Weaver was the assistant GM in Oklahoma City. He was kind of the right-hand man to Sam Presti. I think he spent about, you know, eight or nine years there. Uh, prior to that, he was uh, had a scouting with the Utah Jazz. And uh, prior to getting into the NBA, he was an assistant coach. He started off at Pittsburgh, then he moved to New Mexico, and then he moved to Syracuse. Uh, he's famously known for recruiting Carmelo Anthony to Syracuse. Uh, before that, he was he's kind of a big basketball name in the uh, the Maryland area. Uh, he started one of the uh, powerhouse AAU programs out there. So well-respected. Uh, it's kind of where his connection with Jeremy Grant came from, uh, you know, to math, the high school. So give me your thoughts. What do you think about Troy Weaver? What do you think of his background? What do you think of players he likes, his player types? Um, you know, just give us a, a brief overview of your thoughts. So, yeah, Troy Weaver, I do like the signing. I believe he's a great GM for the what the Pistons are looking for right now. Um, we already know the type of talent that he's been around in OKC. He's been behind a good GM in OKC and Sam Presti. Uh, he was heavy on the move and bringing in Westbrook to OKC. Uh, really wanted them to draft him and was behind them drafting him. Uh, we already know the type of moves that Sam Presti has made with within OKC. And Weaver's got to sit behind and just watch all of that. He's got to learn. Uh, just a great signing. 
Yeah, he definitely has a player type. I really do like the signee. I think he'll be good for the Pistons' future. In the past, he loves those athletic wings. Even the type of players that you see that he goes after are kind of just like the the bigger athletic guys that can play on both ends of the floor, high energy guys. Uh, but we're going to pick up on the drafts uh, later on, but even with this draft, I loved his draft. Uh, they may not be able to shoot so well, but big, powerful, multi-positional, can switch um, three, four, and two. Um, so yeah, he definitely has a type. Great. So uh, thanks for letting us know your thoughts of Troy Weaver. Uh, I think we both agree he was the right choice. You know, he was in the running for the, the GM job. The last time we had an opening uh, with Ed Stefanski as well, uh, he didn't get the job at the time. Actually, he was blocked from interviewing at the time. So I think Tom Gorris has kept his eye on him for a while, and um, it's good that he was able to reel him in. Next, I'll just do a quick overview of the offseason moves. From there, we'll discuss the moves we liked, we didn't like, and uh, the general state of the team. So to start off, we traded Bruce Brown to Brooklyn for Zanin Musa and a second-round pick. Traded Luke Kennard and four second-round picks to the Clippers for Rodney Magruder and the 19th pick. Signed and traded Christian Wood and a future first to Houston for Trevor Ariza, the 16th pick, and a future second. Traded Tony Snell and Kyrie Thomas for Dwayne Dedman. Acquired Tony Bradley and a future second from Utah for cash. Traded Tony Bradley to Philly for Zaire Smith. Traded Ariza to OKC for DeLon Wright. Signed Jeremy Grant. Three-year, 60 mil. Signed Mason Plumley, three-year, 25 mil. Signed Jalil Okafor for a two-year vet min. Uh, the vet mins, uh, they count towards the cap only 1.2 mil, but in actuality, they're 2.4 mil. Signed Josh Jackson, three-year, 10 mil, the full room exception. Signed Wayne Ellington, one-year vet min. Davida Servitas coming over from Europe. He was our second-round pick last year. And then in the draft, we took Killian Hayes with a seventh pick, Isaiah Stewart with a 16th pick, and Sadiq Bey with a 19th pick. And in the second round, we took Samuel Lee with a 38th pick. Give me your thoughts of the players, uh, what you thought about their values, where they were in the draft, and the moves we made to go get them. Well, you already know me. You know I was texting you before the draft. I was super excited. I was super big on this Killian guy. I just saw a lot of potential in him. He he looked like a guy that just has the right pieces but hasn't put it all together yet, if you know what I'm saying. Just a very big point guard. I, I love the fact that there's bigger point guards coming out now. And I wanted a big point guard this year. He looked like he has all of his tools there. Like I said, he just needs to work on his mechanics. And one of his mechanics were his right hand. I noticed that his right, he really doesn't use it at all. Other than that, he has some ball handling issues. But other than that, there's a lot of potential there with this kid. I'm super, super excited about this kid. He's definitely more of a project player, somebody that's going to be going to be more so ready in the next two to three years than he's going to be ready now I, I feel like a lot of fans are going to expect him to be a rookie of the year type of caliber player right now which he can be he could be but I, I don't believe he's going to be that right away really like that pick the next pick Isaiah Stewart I was texting you during the draft with that one too really like that pick uh he's a paint beast just bangs down low um paraphrasing what he kind of said but if you go back to one of his interviews, he even kind of says, like, go back and watch my game highlights and look at how I've dominated other big men. And he really has. And I think you alluded to this uh, uh, the other day that the center out of USC, Okoa Kangu, that he was dominating him in one of the games. And then with the 19th pick, we got Sadiq Bey. And I thought that was just a steal. A lot of people probably had him off the board before the 19th pick, uh, but he fell to us at 19. Another athletic big, um, he can play the three or the four. <clears throat> he can shoot the rock. He can take it down low. He can post up a bit. But he's going to be another guy that's going to probably take a couple years before he starts getting uh, into the rotation a year or two. But all these picks I really like for our future. We finally have a young core together that we're going to build off of. We finally have this young core of players that we haven't had in a long time. We finally have draft picks. We finally have just a team that has is full of potential, not just a team of young guys and some old vets that we've taken from other teams. This this is finally, I feel like they have a vision for the future. I'm right there with you. And, uh, you know, just keeping it on the rookies, giving my little thoughts. You know, I was a big Killian guy, even dating back to a year ago. Actually, when I was uh, looking up Seku videos last year, I saw a video of them together, and that's kind of when he came on my radar. And uh, ever since then, I, I've been a Killian stan. You know, take the name away, you know, take the – the game away, you know, a, a young 19 year old, six foot five point guard to, to build your team around, you know, you can't ask for more. I can't, I can't remember the last time the Pistons had a, 
a player like that, a, a young point guard to to lead the rebuild, or just you know a young point guard to look forward to. You know, I think the last guy was, I think you mentioned Brandon Knight. You know, even back then, you know, he was a two guard, uh, more of a combo guard, similar to Rodney Stuckey. I'd, I'd kind of put him in the same boat as Rodney Stuckey. So, just having a, a young, you know, floor general like this, you know, just the type of player he is as well, pass first point guard, floor general. Yeah, of course he's lacking some skills, right? He's an intelligent player. He has a dribble drive, but he, I think he lacks away from physicality. He's not as athletic. Um, so that's one thing. It's kind of bucks the trend of Troy Weaver draft picks. Um, he's not as athletic as the guys Weaver has drafted in the past. So although Killian can blow by you off the dribble, uh, when he gets to the paint, he's a bit afraid to go up strong because he's not as strong. He's not as athletic. So he's going to have to use his creativity to uh, finish those baskets. Either that, kick it out. Or you know, step back and do that. So, um, yeah, Killian's good. You know, it's it's unlimited potential there. Uh, he's just got to work to learn the game. You know, he was in Germany, actually the second division in Germany. So he was playing against little kids. So it's gonna take him some time. But yeah, I, I love the pick, and it, it fits the team's rebuild as well. You know, having a young point guard or young floor general to to grow with the other young kids. You know, I I really like it. Not the player itself, but the uh, fit within the organization as well. Yeah, agreed. At number 16, we'll talk about Isaiah Stewart. You know, this pick took me by surprise. I was pretty shocked at the time. And, you know, 16 may have still been a bit high for him. But, hey, if you, if you take Bay at night, 16, and Stewart at 19, you know, it's all better. So just think about it like that. You know, I like the move to go and get another pick in the draft, replenish you know, just the foundation of the team. And, and Stewart himself, you know, he's undersized center. I think he's 6'9". But he can handle the rock a little bit. He can shoot the mid-range. He can step out a bit, too. So although he's a bit undersized, I think he can make up with it with his physicality. This is one of the players that does uh, fit that Troy Weaver mold of, of physical players. Like you mentioned, you know, he had a pretty good college game as well. Uh, you mentioned his game against USC. Uh, he, he ate Onyeka Akangu alive in that game. You know, he was actually a Michigan State commit, uh, I think, in 2018. He was a, Tom Izzo was going after him pretty hard, but ended up going to Washington. But, yeah, I mean, Isaiah Stewart was good. You know, at 16 may have been high. But, you know, overall, I like the player. I like the skill set he brings. And I like the tenacity he brings, you know, that Detroit bad boy style of basketball. And then at 19, Sadiq Bey. The move itself was essentially Luke Kennard and four second-round picks for Sadiq Bey. I, I don't necessarily like the move itself. You know, I was a big Luke Kennard guy. And giving up assets, uh, you know, future assets to go get Bey uh, was a bit surprising. But I love Bey as a player. He was rated much higher as far as draft prospects. Many people had him uh, top 12. He was the most college-ready player, and he played a crucial role on, on, a, on a good Villanova team. He's a big who can play three. He can play down. He can play three. He can play up. He can play four. Six, eight, long wingspan. Just brings a, a good prototypical long basketball player who can hit the three and just be smart and be in the right place at the right time. So I love that move as well. Between Hayes, Stewart, and... Bay, we have a good solid foundation to add to Seiku and Sevi, you know, to, to grow on. So, you know, I like the moves. You know, I like to look at it as more of an overall picture than the individual picks themselves, the individual moves themselves. So, uh, from a 10,000 foot level, we definitely got some building blocks. Oh, absolutely. And, th and that is the best way to look at it. Don't, don't look at each individual move because not all of the moves do make sense. Like you said, getting rid of Luke Kennard in four seconds might seem like a lot right now for Bay, but hopefully that pans out in the future. But I believe for the type of team that Weaver was building, that was the right move. If you, if you look at the type of players he brought in, which we'll get to further on, I feel like these moves will all just make sense. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, so let's uh, take it to the free agency signings. Give me your favorite ones, what you thought about the players, the contracts, the fit, and uh, what could have been done better. Let me actually get you first. Who, who was your favorite free agent signing out of these few guys that we brought in? Sure. So I'll just list the free agency signings again, uh, just so we have them. Uh, Jeremy Grant, three-year, 60 mil. Mason Plumley, three-year, 25 mil. Jalil Okafor, two-year vet min. Josh Jackson, two-year, 10 mil, full room exception. Uh, Wayne Ellington and Davidas Servitas, uh, both minimum contracts. So it's an eventful free agency for sure. You know, I'll kind of save my thoughts for the overall team picture. But overall, you know, Josh Jackson was a great player to bring in. You know, he's from, from Detroit, from Southfield. Number four overall pick a couple of years ago. And, you know, looking back, I was looking at some draft comparisons, you know. Um, and most of the players, there's like Tracy McGrady and 
you know, a bunch of just wing scorers. And, you know, the game they were describing in his, in his uh, draft, uh, you know, preview was, was essentially what Jason Tatum is right now. And I think he was ranked right around where Jason Tatum was there. So I'm not saying he's going to be Jason Tatum, but you can definitely see the qualities. You know, uh, he struggled in uh, Phoenix. You know, it was kind of maturity issues, kind of, you know, just rookie wall, right? You could definitely see him kind of hesitating. He had good games. He had bad games, but it was inconsistent. Uh, he was kind of playing not to get yanked from the floor. He wasn't playing his game. So he's playing scared not to make a mistake so he doesn't lose playing time. Here, you know, I think he can play comfortable. He's going to be part of the rotation whether he plays good or not. You know, that the the full room level exception tells you that. Um you know, two years, 10 mil. A lot of people thought he was going to get a, uh, a minimum deal, right? Which is, um, you know, 2.4 mil, uh, you know, maybe no guarantees. But this is two years, 10 mil, both guaranteed, fully guaranteed, uh, and full loom, room level exception, you know? So that shows that the Pistons are committed to him uh, and they believe in him. And, you know, it's up to him to prove it. And I, I think he can. You know, he has the skills. He has the tools. He just needs to put it together and not play scared and, so my favorite player uh, was Josh Jackson. Um, I also did like, you know, Jeremy Grant. I love Jeremy Grant as a player. Mm -hmm. So first, let's get that straight. You know, Jeremy Grant is a good player, right? Regardless of what you think of the fit, the position, the contract, Jeremy Grant is a good player. He runs up and down the court with tenacity. He can hit the three. He, he shot 39% from three last year. You know, he's athletic. He's a great defender and great wing defender and great post defender, Right. I, I love that kind of player. That's the type of player I, I want on my team. Me personally, I, I value athleticism, size, and IQ over shooting. The shot will come. You know, all my friends can tell you I'm a big Ben Simmons guy, and that's because I value his intangibles over his shooting. And, and the same thing goes here. So even if Jeremy Grant doesn't live up to his three-year, $60 million contract, he'll still, you know, if he keeps up those intangibles, the elite defending, the, the shooting, uh, just the athleticism, the rim running, the wing running, the fast, the fast break scoring. He'll be worth it, right? And, and that's where I am with Jeremy Grant. So, like I said, I'll get back. I'll get to this more in our overall team picture and how I feel. Uh, but that's kind of where I am. You know, Josh Jackson and Jeremy Grant were kind of my favorite free agency signings. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, going back to Jeremy Grant, like you said, yeah, he's a big athletic wing that can defend multiple positions. One place I do differ from you is the shot. I, I'm a big guy on shooting. I really think in today's league, you need to have a shot, and I really hope he develops one. Um, I think it's very important in this today's league. If you look at all the good teams, they, they're built around shooters now. You, you've got to have shooting. And I know you brought up the Ben Simmons point. Even with him, me and my friends argue still about Ben Simmons and how he needs to improve his shot, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, back to Jeremy Grant. Big athletic wing, can defend multiple positions, can run up and down the court, like you said. He's he's a good shot blocker for his height. Um, I believe he's 6'9", and that is tall, but not many people try to defend as well as he does, and he will go after chase downs. He'll go, he won't care if he's going to get dunked on. He will go for the block. Um, I do like the signing a lot. For three years, 60 mil, yes, we overpaid a bit, but that's what you got to do when you got to bring – better players into a small market you got to overpay a bit and if you think about it Denver was offering the same deal so that kind of tells you what type of player he is if Denver wanted him for the same amount of money then what's wrong with us bringing him in for the exact same contract um Josh Jackson you alluded to that that's a great signing as well um one way I like to look at the Josh Jackson signee is we got rid of Bruce Brown brought in Josh Jackson um Bruce Brown with his time in Detroit Last year, he got 28 minutes, and in those 28 minutes, he averaged 8.9 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 4 assists. Josh Jackson was in Memphis last year and only got 17 minutes, and in the same 17 minutes, he got those 9 points, 3 bounds, and then only 1 assist. So right there alone, that's just a talent pickup, uh, if you think about that. Uh, Bruce Brown was a second-round pick and was 24 years old already. When you bring in Josh Jackson – You've got a younger guy, uh, I believe he is 23 right now, and he's a big athletic wing as well that can defend multiple positions. Bruce Brown wasn't as tall. Bruce Brown was 6'4". A lot of the fans were upset that we got rid of Bruce Brown. I feel like some of our fans fall too much in love with these players, and I really like this pickup, the Josh Jackson pickup. I feel like he's going to thrive under Casey. I feel like Casey's going to bring the best out of him, and 
like you said, he's at home right now. So I feel like he's going to just play and try to get himself a next big contract. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I like the way you put it. If you essentially replace Bruce Brown with Josh Jackson in the organization, the team is automatically already better. Um, you know, I know we traded Bruce and a second for John and Musa. No, sorry. It was, yeah, it was um, John and Musa. I know we traded Bruce for John and Musa and a second, and we released Musa. But, you know, that's where we go back to not looking at the moves individually, but looking at it from a 10,000-foot level. Josh Jackson is a better positional fit. Bruce Brown was an undersized wing. You know, he, he was a field point guard experiment. Couldn't shoot the ball as an off guard. And he was a log jam with the two. Josh Jackson comes in as a three, can play the two, oversized. He's six foot eight, six foot nine, big, long, athletic, can shoot. There's no log jam at the three position. You know, it's just a such a better fit organizationally, you know, and I agree with you there. Yeah, and then with the Mason Plumley signing, um, don't get me wrong, we did pay a little bit more for him too, but he's a, just a smart, intelligent guy and fits Casey's and Weaver's mold. He's going to make the right plays. He's just the right playmaker type of guy. He's going to step up on defense. He's going to step up on offense. Whatever he can do, he will try. He's a high-energy guy. He motivates others. He he gives it his all all the time, basically. And that's the type of player that you want at the center position. We had some lazy centers in the past, and this guy's not going to be that. He's going to try on every single play, no matter how good or how bad it is. He's going to give it to you every single play. Um, he can also pass the rock. He can run the fast break. I've seen him do that in Denver a couple of times. He can do that here too. He actually has very good athleticism. He's very underrated for his athleticism as well. Um, he can be the lob ca uh, catcher for Killian. I really like this guy. I really like him next to Blake. I really like how he fits on the team. Um, I think he's a great signing as well. A lot of the fans were mad at the money we gave him, but again, just looking past the money aspect, they're, they're going to like this guy. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest Mason Plumley fan, but, you know, again, if you just remove the name, call him player X and just look at his contributions to the team, you want that kind of player in your team, especially for a young point guard, a player that knows when to set a pick, where to roll, what zones to roll into, you know, how to, how to suck in defenders to take them off your guard. You know, Mason Plumley can do that kind of stuff. He has a high IQ player. You know, there are other centers out there who are much more, much more talented but they may not have the IQ, and that may, that doesn't really do you much, right? Maybe you'll win some more games, but does a, a dumb center who doesn't help your young kids actually help you in the long term? Not really. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the Mason Plumlee signing. If you look at the other centers that were that were signed, you know there weren't. It was pretty slim pickings. You know, Dwight Howard, Javale McGee, uh, Serge Ibaka, who got paid. You know. There wasn't much out there, right? And and to get this kind of guy, this kind of character guy, this kind of team, you know, glue guy, I, I support it. No, absolutely. And again, with him, just some some numbers for you. Uh, in 17 minutes, he was putting in seven boards. I mean, sorry, seven points and five boards and two two point five assists. And that's only in 17 minutes. Over here, he's bound to get. He's probably going to be getting more so in the 25 to like 35 minute range minutes here in Detroit. Now that he's going to be playing a much bigger role behind Denver, he was behind Jokic. Understand, but he wasn't getting minutes because of that. But I believe here that money's going to make sense once the fans see the type of stats he's going to be putting up too. I believe he's going to be like an easy 15 points, 10 rebounds type of guy. He's probably going to shout out two to three assists a game, sometimes more. I feel like the number will make sense once he starts playing. Once the Pistons fans see what he brings to the table, they'll be over the money aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he'll get you know to 15 points. He'll be close to double-double guy. He'll get a bit more assists, probably closer to four assists a game. But, hey, yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I don't know if he'll live up to the contract, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter, right? We're in the early stages of a rebuild. It doesn't matter what his contract is. You just want that kind of player here. And, again, we'll, we'll talk about this more in our next segment where we talk about just a general – temperature of the team and what we feel cool thanks for letting us know your favorite free agent acquisitions here i'm just gonna kind of give a general temperature of what i think where the team is and you know discuss you know what's going on a lot of negative feedback and kind of just talk through it and, and see what your thoughts are you know i'll start with the two obvious elephants in the room jeremy grant and uh, mason plumley the plumber as we call them. I know there was a lot of backlash on, on bringing them in and what we paid them, right? So let me just start with this. You know, over the previous couple of regimes, you know, Stan Van Gundy, 
you know, Joe Dumars. Um, there was really, there really hasn't been a, a culture here, you know, uh, not only in, in the coaching, you know, not only, you know, to others out, you know, watching the Pistons to the Pistons themselves, you know, they, we had, we've had the bad boys, we've had the going to work Pistons, you know, their whole culture was, you know, hardcore grit and grind, right? Um, when, when people have been thinking about the Pistons for the past 10, 15 years, you know, they're a joke, right? They don't have, they don't have any consistency, nothing, right? So, you know, I'm okay with, with Weaver blowing it up and trying to set a culture, right? Guys like Andre Drummond and, and, and Reggie Jackson provided zero cultural value. You know, they may have even provided negative cultural value. Right. So, so going to that uh, and then trying to you don't want to half ass a culture either. You want to you know, you want your culture. You want it. You want to build it from the ground up. So in year one of a rebuild, I'm OK with going out and paying a bit more to, to grab a Jeremy Grant to, to try to set the culture. He's a dog on the wings. He can shoot the three. He's athletic. He's a rim runner. He moves off the ball. You know, that's what you want your young wings to do. You know, Sekou, Sadiq, look at this. This is how you're supposed to play the NBA game. I'm okay with going out and paying Mason Plumlee three mil extra a year to come in and teach Isaiah Stewart. This is how you set a screen. You know, this is how you roll. This is how you read where to roll. This is how you suck in a defender. I'm, I'm here. I'm okay with paying overpaying to bring in guys that, that, that bring that grit and grind, you know, right from the get-go. You know what I mean? It's 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 nice to finally have you know a proper and actual foundation to build upon. Not only with the young guys, and I'll get to that, but just the the fillers as well, right? Even Josh Jackson, he's a dog on defense. You know, both these guys, Josh Jackson and Jeremy Grant, they they legitimately look like Kawhi Leonard out there. I'm not saying they play like Kawhi Leonard, but just physically, you know, long, tall, athletic, fast. You know, can cut to the rim, defense first. That how is that not appealing to anybody, right? If, if you look at, you know, not just character and, and, and play-wise, but just body type-wise, you know, I, I like what Weaver is doing. I mean, just to name off some of the wings that have played here in Detroit, you know, been forced to play the three and the four and the two, you know. You know, Luke Kennard, 6'5", you know, shorter wingspan than his height. Bruce Brown, 6'4". Reggie Bullock was 6'7", but a twig. Wayne Ellington, 6'5". You know, these guys were asked to, you know, bang with the wings of, you know, the, the, the interchangeable wings of today's game. The Langston Galloway, you know, uh, underside, he was 6'2". You know, you know there's other wings out here, too, that just weren't as good. Glenn Robinson III, Stanley Johnson, you know, they had the size, but they just weren't good. And, and they, didn't, they didn't play within the offense, right? They, 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 don't, they weren't runners. They weren't rim runners. They, weren't, they didn't play off ball. You know, we had Tony Snell and James Ennis. Those are probably the best wings who played within the offense we've had over, you know, the past five, six years. You know, that's saying something. And and now seeing Josh Jackson, 6'8", Jeremy Grant, 6'8", Sadiq Bey, 6'8". All those guys can play 2-3-4. Seku, 6'9". He can play 3-4. And I'm excited to see Seku play the 5. You know, there, there's going to be a, a fun lineup out there. It's going to be Killian. Uh, Svi, Jeremy Grant, Blake, and Seiko at the five. That, that That's fun. And that's another thing. This team is going to be so much more fun to watch. Even the losses are going to be fun to watch because they're athletic. They're growing. And, and you know, with the last regime, watching Andre Drummond and and Reggie Jackson being dragged to a win by Blake Griffin and, and Derek Rose, that wasn't fun. You know, even if they won the game, it wasn't fun to watch. Right? So I, I can't see how people look at last year's team and look at this year's team and say we're in a a worse position, right? Again, you know, the individual moves might not have been, you know, flattering for anybody. But, you know, just looking at the the overall team picture, I do think we're in a much better position, not right now, but even built for the future. Yeah, say what you want about Jeremy Grant's contract. It's only three years, you know? And like I said, even if he doesn't develop that, um, you know, driving game, yeah, he's his, his offensive game isn't good. You know, he, he's a three-point shooter for now. He's a cutter for now. And, and they brought him here to create his own shot, go off the dribble and try to get his own shot. And right now the numbers aren't good. You know, he's one of the worst off-ball offensive creators off the dribble uh, in the game. But, hey, even if that doesn't develop, he's, he still has those intangibles. You know, he's still a dog on defense. He still runs the lanes. He can hit the three and he plays defense. You know, and that's in today's game, that's still even worth, you know, $14, 15000000 million a year. I mean, look at the guys that got paid just a couple of days ago, you know. Derek White, it's four years, 70 mil. 
You know, 17, 18 a year. He's 26 years old. I'd much rather have Jeremy Grant than Derek White. You know, Kyle Kuzma, three-year, 39. You know, that's at 13, 14 mil a year. You know, he's 26. I don't know. I'd rather have Jeremy Grant than Kyle Kuzma. You know, OG Ananobi, four-year, 72 uh, mil. 18 a year. He's 23. He's a good He's a good player. But still, you know, if you're going to rip Jeremy Grant for getting 20 mil, you know, you got to rip OG for getting 19 mil because, you know, they're similar players, right? So, you know, that's where I am with that. I'm okay with paying them because, one, look at the market, and, two, you know, they're good culture guys, and they bring grit and grind to the team, right? And my next thing is a lot of people were upset about the trades. Like, like hey, we traded for Dwayne Dedman, and we just stretched him. Now we have this much dead cap. Who cares? You know, like I said, it's year one of a rebuild. In, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. If Killian, Sekou, Sadiq, Svi, Isaiah Stewart, one of these guys, a lot of these guys, if any of these guys pan out, it's not going to matter that in year one of the rebuild, they had 4.8 dead cap on the cap sheet. It's not going to matter, right? So, like I said, in the, in the grand scheme of things, none of this matters. All this matters is in three years, will Sekou, Killian, Sadiq, you know, will these guys, where will they be? Will they be developed? And will we have cap space to, to surround them with better players? Right, you want to surround those rookies with with these dogs. You know, look at Andre Drummond when he got in the league. He was surrounded by Greg Monroe, idiot see, idiot do, right? Monkey see, monkey do. You know, he didn't he didn't develop a, a dog mentality. He's still a, a bum, right? So you know that's kind of why that's kind of a little rant, but that's why I'm good. It's nice to see having you know not only modern NBA players, young players with with with, with good prospects, and you know just have nice foundational pieces to, to build upon. So, yeah, I'll toss it over to you. I've been talking, but what do you think? You know, what do you think about the team? You know, I know we still got some big vets, you know, like D. Rose and Blake. What are your thoughts on them? And then what, what's the outlook there? Yeah, like you alluded to, I'm, I'm not mad at this offseason at all. I don't care about the extra money that they spent. Like you said, it's year one of a rebuild. I think a lot of the fans kind of have this misconception that they're still going to be competing, which they might, you know, they uh, now that they added uh, the play-in rules and all that, they could have maybe fight for that 10th spot uh we don't know yet but they could possibly fight for that but i think the some of these fans need to get out of their head that they're competing right now they're they're not they're going to be a competitive team but they're in a rebuild so most likely this team is not going to be a great team uh we'll probably be a lottery draft picking team again Mm -hmm. next year and that's exactly what you want in a rebuild you want more pieces to surround these young guys with so the direction that they're heading in is not bad at all and like you said these contracts that people are getting so hung up on are, are not even going to matter in two to three years. Uh, so let me, let me ask you this. Weavers, let me ask you this. I know that? you said you want pieces and you want assets. What are your thoughts on the Pistons just, you know, trading all these second round picks away and like, like their water. Do you, do you mind or do you care? I, I do. And I don't, uh, it, it's kind of weird. Like with second round picks, uh, I think I was talking to you about this a few days ago. My, my whole belief is different from everyone else's. I, I believe, like, from, from about the 20th spot back, everyone from there is just a project. I know the whole draft is just a project that, as a whole, but I, pre, I believe from, like, the, about the 20th spot back draft, every, all those players are just – you're just taking them for their potential or you're just taking them just to develop them. And they're, they're all just project players. And you could see just with Musa, he couldn't even last on our team and – I believe he was the 27th or 28th pick, something like that, uh, a couple of years ago. So I don't, I don't mind that they're trading the second rounders. I mean, we did get Sadiq Bay out of getting rid of them. I, I felt like it was a little much because we had already included Luke Kennard in the trade. Um, so I did think it was a little much, but I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, yeah, like I said, it hurts to lose second round picks, but those can be bought. You know, even this year they bought, didn't they buy? A second round pick from Utah, and also got Tony Bradley in the trade. It was just cash, right? I mean, yeah, uh, all we gave was uh, some cash consideration. So yeah, we the second round picks I feel like are much easier to gain back than they are uh, to lose. So I, I don't. That's why I don't really mind it. it. It was four second round picks, and we got a second round pick for Bruce Brown. We got we got some second round picks for like how you said we gave out some cash considerations. We can do that in the future as well. Get rid of some players. I know we got some vets on this team that people are not expecting to be on this team by the end of the season. What do you think about that? What do you think about people thinking that Blake Griffin or not thinking? It's kind of highly known by this point that they're probably most likely going to be on the t- uh, trade market by trade deadline. Yeah. Um. D. Rose and Blake Griffin, what are your thoughts on them potentially being moved this season? Yeah, um, 
So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we want to get as much value as we can out of those guys, right? But if if you have to give up assets to get rid of Blake, no. You know, I'm not going to do that. He, he's good to have for Seku and, and the young kids. And and actually, you know, even if someone's offering a late first, is that even worth it for me to take? You know, I, maybe maybe not. You know, I'd rather have Blake around. And, you know, I'd rather lose him for nothing than get a late first and lose that experience and that teaching for the young kids. People are going to flail, oh, you lost Blake for nothing. No, it was actually a positive having him around. Same thing with D. Rose. You know, people are pissed that you didn't trade him. You know, I don't want uh, two second-round picks. I don't want Kyle Kuzma. You know, I want D. Rose to teach Killian Hayes. You know, if someone offers me a, a, a nice first-round pick, I'll take it. But you know, I think the the what he offers to Killian and just the, the young kids in general is worth more than a, a late first-round pick or two second-round picks to me. You know, so I, I actually like having them around. And to be honest, they want to be around. Like, I, I know D. Rose wants to be around. You know, he, he essentially has a – so, I mean, you may know Arn Tellum is, you know, president of basketball operations or whatever. Or I don't know what his title is, but he's high up there. He used to be D. Rose's agent. And D. Rose essentially yeah. has a no-trade clause. You know, it's not in his contract, but he can verbally say, no, I don't want to be traded. And, and you know, you don't have to trade him. And he doesn't want – from what I understand, he doesn't want – you know, to be part of that circus and with the Lakers, you know, he, he likes the laid back lifestyle. He's a mid, Midwest kid. You know, he likes hanging out with his family, you know, and he likes it here. And I, from what I understand, he, I think he, he rejected a trade or two last year too. I mean, that's why they kept him. So, yeah, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, another thing, you don't want to throw a, a hall of famer, you know, out the door, but you can't disrespect him like that. Like if he wants to stay then let him stay like, <laughs> and there, there's no harm in it. Right. So I'm, I'm okay with keeping D Rose. I'm okay with keeping Blake. And hey, you know, Gordon Hayward kind of opted out and, and got a much bigger deal. So there's a real possibility that Blake stays. We keep Blake and he opts out and he gets a much bigger deal. And if that happens, it's not a negative. Like we didn't mess up. We don't have to say, oh, you know, the Pistons didn't get any value out of Blake. And now he's walking away from nothing. It doesn't have to be like that. Right. He does bring value for the here and for the future. So, I mean, that's kind of my belief. That's where I am with that. You know, I know there are a lot of different other other different beliefs. And I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm kind of with you there. If, if it's if it's going to be some second round picks or some late first rounder, I say just keep him over that. His, uh, his veteran leadership on the team is too important to just get rid of him for some second round picks or some late first. Unless it's unless it's a couple first rounders, a couple late first rounders or something to work with, that, that's a different story. But I, I don't know if he's going to bring in that type of uh, those type of assets at this point in his age and with his contract. But like you said, I, I feel like his veteran leadership is too important to just kind of get rid of for cheap, you know. And same goes with Rose, especially Rose. I feel like Rose is going to be so vital to Killian Hayes' success. It's it's insane. I, uh, the, the amount of credit that Kennard gave him last year, and you could have just saw the improvements in Kennard's numbers last year and over the pe- previous two seasons. I, I want Rose around. I want Rose to teach Killian. I want Rose to just mentor Killian like he's his own and just keep him around keep just dish all the knowledge into him that he can uh that that's the value of having great vets like that and we're lucky that we're in this position to have D Rose teach a young uh budding star point guard and Killian Hayes and not saying that he is going to be a future star but the potential is there and to be mentored by D Rose what what more can you ask for as a fan base yeah, I know. I know you mentioned uh, Luke Kennard showing promise after working with D Rose. You know, Bruce Brown too. I know he's not here anymore, but I know Bruce Brown was trying to be a point guard last year. His off the dribble, dribble, dribble penetration, uh, hesitation dribbles, driving to the basket, getting contact. You know, that was a lot. You know, he looked like Mini D Rose out there sometimes. So you know, he does rub off on the young kids. So I like I I agree. You know, it's nice having them around. Exactly. And overall, the roster, I think it's in a good space right now. I think this is a good roster going into the future. All these all these signings that Weaver made, they were short-term contracts. They weren't long, nasty contracts. They were, yeah, we overpaid a bit, but they were mostly two to three-year deals. So a lot of teams like expiring contracts. So it's maybe if you look at it, if you, if you, how you said earlier, if you look at the bigger picture, it's just we're dealing with these guys mostly for about two years. On the third year, we're probably going to be trading for uh, because they're expiring contracts. We could trade them for assets or whatever you want to do with them. But mainly, these guys are just brought in for these next couple of years to help mold these young guys. Plumlee, with like you said earlier, with Isaiah Stewart, Blake Griffin to help Seku, uh, Rose to help Killian. That that's the main point. And right now, we have such a young core nucleus that it's exciting. And like you said earlier, it's exciting to watch. It's exciting 
it's going to be exciting whether they lose or win just because we've never had a young nucleus like this in forever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The team is in a much better spot, and it's just better to watch, you know. And to be honest, people are going to be upset. Hey, you know, we lost Christian Wood. We lost Luke. We lost Bruce. That was our nucleus. That was our young core. Those guys did not line up with, you know, they were all over the place, their their timelines. You know, Luke was Luke and Bruce were like 23, 24. Christian Wood was 25. Seiku's 18. You know, those timelines were all over the place. You know, now we got Killian, 19. Seiku, 20. Isaiah Stewart is probably 19. Even Josh Jackson's only 23. Even Jaleel Okafor is only 24. The timelines just line up a lot, a lot better. Oh, exactly. Yeah, this this roster, and like I said, um, it's it's not going to be a roster that's probably competing for a playoff spot per se. But they might they might compete for that play in spot, that that tenth spot. They they have potential for that. They have a overall good good roster if you look at it. If you put Blake at the four, Jeremy at the three, a Rose at the one. I know they're starting killing right now, but we've got some pieces on this team that can compete. But the whole thing is going to be is to let the young guys develop and. Whatever they do this year, I don't want anything to get in the way of the young guys' development. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, that, that's actually a really nice transition into our next segment about our season expectations. So uh, let's continue this there. All right. All right, German. This is episode one. We're in our last segment. In this uh, last segment, we're going to talk about our season expectations, uh, what we expect out of their rookies, what we kind of see what the team's going to be like, and what you define as success for this team. Not what the media decide, defines as a success, but what you define as success for this team this season. So let's hear it. Yeah, fuck the media, dude. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, for me, a successful season isn't going to come down to wins and losses. For okay. me, you know, uh, they could lose all the games, but if they're competitive, you know, I'll be happy. You know, the whole goal should be to develop the young guys, especially Killian. You know, he's coming from, the second division German league, right? He needs to get assimilated into the NBA, get his confidence up, and only then will he be able to let it fly freely. And from there, he can improve his shot. You know, right now it's so inconsistent. Not only his form, but you know where his shot hits. You know, the rim, left, right, bank, backboard. It's so inconsistent, and I think he's kind of you know just nervous and and, and kind of holding back. So. We need them to get comfortable with the game, and we need them to start developing to, to understand where they are and, and what they need, right? Uh, and then same thing with, with guys, you know, the, the rebound guys, you know, the guys who who've coming off of, you know, uh, weird career situations and, and here to rebound their career, like Josh Jackson. He was a number four overall pick for a reason. We know he's athletic. I think I kind of touched on the reason he is where he is right now is because of the inconsistencies in his game and the immaturity, Right. If it, it seems like he's grown up. So if he can put it all together, you know, <laughs> do we have ourselves a mini Jason Tatum? I don't know. I'm not saying we do, but I like the way he looks right now. He's hitting the three ball. He's going off the dribble. He's playing defense. If we can continue that and we can transfer that over to young guys like Seku and Sadiq Bey and Killian, you know, that's that's what's going to be successful to me. And then Seku, you know, I, I love that kid. He's my favorite player on the team. If he can continue to, you know, progress in his development. Last year, he was a net negative player. He very rarely knew where he was on the court anytime, on offense or defense. If he if he can mm-hmm. become a good rebounder, if he can find a body in the paint, and, and if he can play within the offense, you know, he's a great cutter. If he knows that and he, he can excel at that, you know, that will only help him understand, you know, floor spacing and things like that. So, essentially, that's what I'm looking for in the season. You know, these young guys to – continue to understand continue to better their understanding of the game and, and continue to develop and hopefully near the end of the year you know maybe we do trade blake and maybe he has a career year and we can get a, a pretty good haul for him because he's, he's an expiring he could be an expiring he's a great player he's a massive contract you know that that's as far as you know expiring trade value that's a lot you know that's good so yeah we'll see you know that's um that's where i'm at what about you uh, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you there. The the biggest thing I want to preach this this for the fan base is to have patience. They've really got to have patience with the core that we have right now. We have a lot, a lot of young players. And for fans to expect crazy things out of our three draft picks this year is just unrealistic. Let's just be honest. Um, they're probably, the, two of them are probably not going to see much playing time at all until about midseason. And Killian, we already know he's going to be starting and 
he'll be he'll be good, but he's gonna have his games where it's gonna frustrate you as a fan, and that's okay. He's only 19 years old. He's coming from France. It's his first year in the league. He didn't even have a real off season. He didn't have no real training camp, no summer league to develop his game a little bit from. He just came in and got to work, and now he's starting. So just please have patience with these young guys. Uh, and like I said earlier in the podcast, that these guys aren't gonna be just ready year one these these are guys that are probably going to take two to three years and we'll probably start seeing their full potential in about year three year four uh like most like most players do come out if you look at paul george's history his best year i believe came year four Kawhi leonard's best year came year four and i'm not saying these are going to be th- those type of level of players but if you look at properly developing players just like pascal siakam a lot of these guys where they're raw and they need a lot of development their best years come in about year three, year four. So to the fan base, just have a lot of patience. And to me, success is not going to be off of wins and losses this year. It's going to be based off of how they develop our rookies, whether they're getting playing time, whether the young guys like Sekou are developing. That's what's going to define success for me is the development of our young core. Um, I don't care about the wins this season at all. For me, it, it don't even matter about wins. I, I, I'd rather have a better draft pick anyway. So i just rather just see our young guys getting on the floor, them getting smarter, making the right plays, and getting into the rotation. That's what will define a successful season for me. Okay, cool. So let me ask you this. Uh, the under-over for the season is set at 23.5 wins. Uh, remember, this is a 72-game season. So, you know, that's ex- equivalent to like 27 wins in, a, in an 82-game season. Are you under or are you over 23.5 wins for the Pistons? I'll definitely take the over on that. Just because of like I was saying earlier, I think this team does have talent still. They they do have talent on the in the lineup coming off the bench. You got D Rose in the starting lineup. You got Blake. You got Mason. Um, I feel like they can definitely get to. They're they're not going to go crazy over that. I feel like they can get to about 25 to 29 wins. Uh, they'll be somewhere around that range, which I'm okay with, as long as they're competing. The young guys are getting better. I'm okay with that, but I got the over on the 23 and a half. How about you? Um, so that number is really low. <laughs> um, but I, I, I agree. <laughs> there's a lot, and 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 the Pistons are going to be bad. You know, they'll be a bottom five offense. You know, they'll be a top ten defense. That's fine. They'll be a bad team. Uh, that number is still really low though. But there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, it hinges on a lot of things. You know, are are Blake? Will Blake and Derrick Rose play? Lot. you know will they miss a lot of games or will they play a lot of games you know if they play most of the games you know we'll probably be over um but also you know if they're hurt and they don't play and the keys are in killing Hayes' hands you know we'll, <laughs> i don't think we're gonna hit that number and then another thing is you know if if we are playing well blake and Derek will probably get traded right and we'll be back in the same position where killian and, and seku have to lead the way and, and some and jeremy grant and these guys you know and uh, I don't trust Jeremy Grant in leading his own team like that, so I don't think we'll get to 23 wins. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think Jeremy Grant is still is still a couple of years away from getting his shot down pack. Uh, we we saw last year that he could not he could definitely knock down the three, but he he'll improve it, he'll get better. But I wanted to ask you, what what is your projections for Killian's rookie season numbers? Sure. So yeah, let me just answer the previous question. I got the under on the 23.5 because. Um, I, I do think Blake and Derek are going to get traded. So, and then for that. Killian, we'll kind of end on this. You know, I, I, you know, I do think he'll make all rookie team, and that's kind of by you know brute force. You know, he's starting, and the team's going to need him, right? They don't really have a backup point guard, so I just by brute force will make all NBA rookie first or second team. And you know, he's got to begin to understand the NBA, right? You can kind of see in his game, you can see the flashes of the vision, you can see the craftiness, but you can also see, you know, he doesn't trust his jumper. The jumper is not consistent, and he fails to be able to make second and third ball handling decisions off the pick and roll. So if his first read is, isn't is there and he can't pass out, he doesn't know whether to go strong to the rim, take a shot, or, or reset, right? So right. for me, I want to see him be able to take take the ball and make a decision, go strong. He's not the most athletic. He's not going to be jamming over people. But if you have someone beat you know, on the pick and roll or if you cross someone over, I mean, he has great ball handling. If you cross someone over – Take to the rim, get the contact, and, and get to the foul line, right? Don't yeah. don't be scared and don't let, you know, either don't go weak, don't throw it away, and, and make the right decision, right? So that's what I want to see from him. As far as numbers, you know, he's going to – it's I don't know, man. I mean, nine and five, I'm just pulling that out of nowhere. But, you know, nine points, five assists, and, you know, hopefully shooting at least 40% from the field, you know, at least 25% from three. 
I don't know. Okay. We'll see. I respect that. Yeah. That, that, that's what I kind of I have him sitting around. And, and the thing that you were alluding to with Killian is a lot of his problems, in my opinion, come with uh, come from him not being comfortable with using his right. Uh, all the tape that I've watched, even when he blows by people, uh, especially if you go watch his tape. So when he's blowing by people uh, going to his right hand side. He does not know how to use his right right now. Uh, he'll do an awkward left-handed floater or an awkward left-handed uh, layup, even from his uh, going on the right side. And I feel like that's like where his decision hesitations come as well. When he's going to his right, he really doesn't know how to finish yet. Uh, on his left, he can finish all day long. Um, he has a nice little floater from his left. He can hit the lay from the left, but from the right, it really causes him problems right now. And I feel like the more he develops his right hand, the more he develops using his right hand, the better his decisions will be, the better uh, his shooting will be, the better his lays will be in contact at the rim will be. You're saying, you know, he just needs to continue to develop and, and you know, work on that right hand. I think a lot of it's mental. You know, I've I've seen him work in, in – in practice and in pregame he's snapping that ball around with his right hand you know behind the back under the legs and it's the ball snapping out of his hand I think a lot of it's just confidence and and understanding when he can use it and can't use it in the NBA game so I I think with time that that will develop but again like you said it's gonna take time man and it's a weird season too right so you never know yeah, and that, that's what I was thinking about. Even, even his lobs, when he throws his lobs, it's all left-handed. Everything he does is very left-handed right now. Once once he becomes more uh, better with his right, I think the game will flow to him a little easier too. And like you said, it could just be a mental thing right now because we, we know how basketball it is. When you're not doing something with one hand and you're not hitting those shots, of course you're going to be more scared to put up those type of shots. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but I got Killian this year. I got him. I got him sitting around about 10 points. I'll say he'll average around four to five assists, maybe three boards, and hopefully he can shoot above 40% from the field goal. And like you said, around somewhere about the 25% range from three, and I'll be happy with that for a rookie season. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, come back at the end of the season, listen to this first podcast, and see where we were with our predictions. I think that's a good way to end it. I think we covered everything. So, Money, thank you. By no means are we professionals. You know, we're just fans. You know, we're not media. You know, I'm an engineer. He's a, you're a nurse. So, you know, to anybody that's listening, you know, just stick with us. You know, we'll get better at this. It's just episode one. And uh, absolutely, with us. Any final absolutely. word? Absolutely. Like you said, it's only episode one. We're just doing this for the fun of it because we love our sport so much. We want to bring you guys extra insight, our vision, what we think of the moves. And, of course, cr- criticism is also appreciated. We do not mind you guys telling us advice or whatever areas we can improve or topics that you guys want to hear us talk about, feel free to comment and just let us know what we can do to improve this podcast. Yeah. Everything's up in the air. Even the name, you know, if you have any better name suggestions, let us know. We're Absolutely. All right, cool. So my name is German and uh, for money, we'll be signing off. Thank you for tuning in to save by the ball, the Motown Chronicles. Thank you guys. Episode one.